We got through the most important part. Tonight is a blessing to be before you guys, uh, to be able to to share from the Word of God. And so, uh, what I'm trying to t- what I'm tasked tonight with is trying to organize our thoughts around some aspects of prayer uh, that will help us focus as we pray a little in just a few minutes from now for the for the people of our church, for our members, and for the opportunities we have as our, our as local church. So, if you would please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter three. And we are going to explore six heavenly aspects of prayer that I, uh, that I uh, saw and wanted to share with you tonight. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 is our, uh, our starting point. And then we'll, uh, we'll also explore other parts in the, uh, the epistle as well. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 reads, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This letter from Paul to the church in Colossae, it gives the church the important doctrines to follow and what concerns the church should have in prayer. And our affection and our focus in this life, we find in Colossians, is to mature in the knowledge of Christ. Paul's focus in the letter to the Colossians is refuting false teaching. It's one of his biggest uh, things that he is uh, coming against in this letter. He gives, uh, he refutes a number of the false teachings that are coming and infiltrating the churches in the area uh, during this time. Paul speaks of circumcision of the heart, not of circumcision of the flesh. A heart that the Spirit regenerates and that faith in Christ is 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 a change of heart, not a physical change. Paul refutes Judaism and the need for works to bring salvation. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice and reconciled in his body by his death those who would believe in Jesus by faith. Paul also refutes the need to follow Jewish practices of feasts and Sabbaths. Christ is the focus of the Old Testament feasts and Sabbaths, and Christ has come and he has been revealed to all. Paul also refutes asceticism, that things are all spiritual, by commanding believers to do the very practical things every day, to love their spouses, to raise their children, to work in their daily life as unto the Lord. And Paul provides simple things that a believer is to do to be pleasing to the Lord that are a part of this very physical world, but they demonstrate a spiritual perspective in knowing and obeying the commands of Christ. A spiritual man is focused on knowing Christ and keeping his commands. Gnosticism has also crept into the churches as well. And Paul cites the worship of angels, pursuing visions and mysticism. This isn't the practice of believers. Christ has delivered true wisdom and knowledge that excels all the world could ever give. And believers are to hold fast to Jesus as the head. Paul refutes all of these practices with a simple message to believers, pursue the knowledge of Christ. Recognize and worship the, God, the Son of God who has made everything and has provided all wisdom needed in his word. Our everyday lives are to be lived unto the Lord and how we treat our spouses and how we treat our children matter. And Paul also captures us with sin matters. What we practice matters. Believers need to set their minds on things above and not the wisdom of this world. So if you have a notebook... 
or you have some paper to take down some notes, I want to organize our thoughts tonight around six aspects of prayer from Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And as I read through scripture and go through these points, jot down scriptures and and truths that will help you prepare for a prayer time uh, later on in just a few minutes. So to start us off, the first aspect that we we as believers can pray for as a church is heavenly wisdom and understanding. Heavenly wisdom and understanding. Colossians begins with an introduction of the church in Colossae having genuine faith and good fruit that is being produced from the salvation of these new believers. In verse 6 of chapter 1, the gospel is bearing fruit in the whole world and among the Colossians from the day they heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Understanding the grace of God bears more fruit in the lives of believers. Praying for heavenly wisdom and understanding focuses our time and effort on knowing more about Christ, spending our time learning more and more about him. Colossians uh, 1, 9 through 11, it reads, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a, in a manner worthy, worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Paul is praying that the church would be filled with the knowledge of Christ's will and all wisdom and understanding, and that they would walk worthy and pleasing the Lord. Colossians 1, 21 through 22, it also reads, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Our future in Christ is to be presented holy and blameless to the Father. It is then our prayer as a church and as as members of that church that we would seek to know God's word and be sanctified by his truth and by his word. That's certainly found in John 17, 17. The way we accomplish this is through hearing the preached word, studying God's word, and obeying the Lord's commands to disciple one another and be discipled. And we are to be filled with the knowledge of his will, which is his word. The second heavenly aspect that we can pray for as a church is a heavenly knowledge of Christ. A heavenly knowledge of Christ. Paul gives us proper perspective of the Lord Jesus. In Colossians 1, 12 through 29, the work of Christ is described in detail for us. The motto of our church here is Colossians 1.28, and it contains a warning to us. And Paul is warning the church to have the proper view of Christ, not to tamper or take away from the glory of Christ in any way. And this warning is a continual reminder to teach and preach God's word until we are mature and complete. And we teach and preach until our affections are Christ and the things of heaven. We preach and teach that we are reconciled through the blood of Christ. We preach that he is the way and that there is no other way to the Father except through him. And then Paul continues on what we are to continue to preach and teach. Verse 13 describes the thanksgiving to God that comes from being qualified to be partakers of the inheritance given through his blood. Christ is the Lamb of God. He is the propitiation for our sins. Verses 15 through 16, Christ is the image of the Father and the firstborn over all creation. 
He created all things, and that all things were made for him, by him, and through him. He holds everything together, and he is the head of the church. Verses 19 through 20 continue. The gospel message requires that we believe and recognize that Jesus is not the Father, but in all ways, as a man, fully God and fully man. He offered himself to reconcile us to him. The warning that Paul gives is that we do not pervert the truth of the gospel, which is the person and the work of Christ. We proclaim the truth, teaching and warning every man in all wisdom that we would present every man mature in Christ and that we would hold fast to these truths and establish ourselves in them and teach others the same. The second one is a heavenly knowledge of Christ. The third heavenly aspect that we can pray for are heavenly hearts and heavenly honor. Paul commands us to be faithful to walk in Christ and not to be turned away by philosophy or empty deceit. The knowledge of the word of God is sufficient. Heavenly hearts and heavenly honor require that we know what we are to do as believers. And so chapter 3 of Colossians opens with the view of Christ on his throne next to the Father. Nothing can be more sobering than to realize that we serve the God of all the universe. And we will appear before the Father in glory as well when Christ returns. The heavenly honor we must pursue is a holy life and a pure life. Mark speaks of the condition of the heart and where evil comes from in Mark chapter 7, 20 through 23. So if you would like to turn there, we'll read those verses as well. Mark chapter 7. Here's the condition of our hearts. Mark makes it clear from the, from the mouth of Christ. It reads, And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. From, from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, e- envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. If you want to know your true state, the true state of your heart apart from Christ. This is who you are. And that is very sobering. That that's where we have come from. And Paul addresses that. That was the lifestyle of many of these believers before they came to Christ. Paul commands us to walk worthy of the Lord, being fully pleasing to him. We are to be mature in Christ and to insist that other brothers and sisters grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ through discipleship with one another. The command in Colossians 1.28 is to warn and to teach and admonish. And so that is what Paul asks us to do there. We are to put off or put to death what is earthly in us. This is found in verse 5 of chapter 3. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. To put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. Putting away the ways of the world may make us seem weak in the world. But the grace of God we receive from the Lord when we aren't entangled and encumbered by these sins and these passions and these cares prepare us for heaven and they prepare us for our coming appointment before the Lord. Paul using the words put off, it gives us the proper motive. We must kill these things that entangle us in the world and are a part of our old ways and not the ways of a believer following Christ. The heavenly honor we seek is preparation for heaven. The heavenly heart we seek is one that is 
disconnected from the things of the world. Our hearts long to obey the Lord and to do what he commands. Our thoughts and our words are to be filled with the word of God, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Our speech is to be seasoned with grace. We have put on love as we respond to those in the world and to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And what we do, we do as unto the Lord, knowing that he will reward us faithfully for obeying him. It is an honor to serve the King of Kings in this life. And without that honor, we walk in futility and hostility towards God, and the wrath of God abides on us. And these are all things Paul is telling us. He's, he's telling us why. Why we need a new heart. Why do we need a changed life? Because apart from a changed heart and a changed life, we walk in vain pursuit, and, 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 we're, and our days are worthless. And we are, in fact, at war with God. And he ends that, that passage in, in chapter 3, uh, that part of the passage with, and the wrath of God abides on us. We are destined for destruction. So the third thing that we need, we can pray for as a church and as members here uh, during our time is heavenly hearts and heavenly honor, that we would honor the Lord in purity, that we would honor the Lord with a pure heart, and we would prepare ourselves for heaven. The fourth heavenly aspect are heavenly homes. So Paul gets into the practical. And as Colossians 3 verses 1 says, we have died and our life is hidden in Christ. Regardless of the estate of our life, the pain and trials we must endure, we are taught by Paul to maintain good works that are easily defined in Scripture. As, as opposed to asceticism, which says everything is spiritual, nothing physical matters, Paul attacks it and says there are practical things that believers can do in order to please the Lord. And what is amazing is that we please the Lord by doing these everyday practical things. If we did nothing else, these things would be enough to please the Lord and fill our lives with meaning and purpose. In application, hiding our lives in Christ says the world has one standard, and I can be completely sure that living a godly life for Christ is all that matters, not the vain and empty philosophy of the world. Paul gives us a list of things that we must do as believers. Chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 12, we are to put on compassionate hearts, to be kind, gentle, and humble. These require us to empty ourselves and remind ourselves daily of the God that we serve. We purify ourselves because we know we will see Christ. Paul then gives us a recipe for heavenly homes. And these homes are led by men and women whose heart and affection are for heaven. Verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19 tells husbands, Love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And then telling fathers again in verse 21, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Very simple things for the Christian home. Very simple things. Then he tells slaves to obey your masters. Those are uh, of us that go to work every day, right? Do your work as unto the Lord. A heavenly heart and a heavenly home require that we work for the Lord and not for man. Business owners are told to treat their employees fairly and not for dishonest gain and greed. A heavenly home is one where kindness and gentleness between husband and wife is evident. There isn't a power struggle between the two. Men aren't overbearing, but their strength is displayed by their speech and by their obedience to Christ. Men lead their families to church and in worship. Repentance and forgiveness are evident to the children 
and to each other. Wives, love and submit to their husbands and model kindness and good works for their children. The heavenly home looks to Christ and gives up the passions of this world. Living in this world as Christ commands us. That's heavenly homes we can pray for. The fifth heavenly aspect are heavenly heralds. Paul is getting towards the end of his, at the end of, end of this letter, and he starts to bring up all the faithful men that are serving. So in chapter 4, verse 3, Paul requests that the church pray for an open door to declare the salvation that has come to those who have faith in Christ. Paul mentions a number of heavenly heralds in this epistle. It starts with Paul and Timothy, who wrote the letter to the Colossians. And then he talks about Epaphras, who is a faithful minister of Christ. Tychicus, he's a brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant of the Lord. Onesimus, he's a faithful and beloved brother. Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, Luke, and Demas, and Archippus is commanded also to fulfill his ministry. So our prayer as a church should be that we will disciple our members, raising up men who will go and preach the word of God. And we should also, pr- we should also pray that God would use us to send men into the ministry. Paul highlights that men in this epistle are doing the work of the Lord, and those are in need of an open door. And may we pray that open doors be made for us to preach the gospel. That was Paul's hope in asking the church in Colossae, Laodicea, and the church in Nympha's house to pray. The gospel was bearing fruit in the whole world, and more prayer would support that work. Along with heavenly heralds, a sixth heavenly aspect is a heavenly hold. So we have a heavenly, uh, a heavenly wisdom and understanding. We have a heavenly perspective. We have heavenly homes, heavenly hearts, and heavenly honor. I'm mixing these up because now I've got my papers all of order. We have heavenly heralds, and we have now a heavenly hold. And I use the word hold because it went really well with heavenly. had an H. But I use the word hold because I thought of it as a, of a place, a place of stability, a place established. And so what I see in this, I use this word hold because what I see in this epistle is the need to establish the work of the gospel throughout the region that Paul is sending this letter to. Paul's team prays that these churches would abound and increase in the knowledge of God. Epaphras is called a faithful minister, no doubt in the work to establish a church in Colossae. And Paul admonishes the church in Colossae to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from it. And Paul warns the church to proclaim Christ. It is toil and labor to establish the hearts of believers, but it is the work that God has called us to do. Discipling takes time, takes years, but it is the work that God and Christ has called us to do. The language of a thriving and established church is the focus of this epistle. Paul provides the church in Colossae with, ample, with a simple outline of the gospel, instructions on our daily life, all for the glory of Christ, who is the reason for our hope in life. And he wraps it up in, you will appear before him holy and blameless. The heavenly hold we should pray for is that our missionaries that we support and those that we send out would establish churches wherever they go. That men and women would be brought to them to strengthen and disciple other believers. It is extremely important to realize that even if you're not the one being sent out, you might be the one being sent to lead and to teach and to instruct others. 
our prayer as a church would be for us to increase more and more in the proclamation of the gospel. And we should pray for heralds from among us to proclaim Christ and pray that God will establish churches that would, would create more and more mature believers. And that certainly we would have a part in that, discipling as older men disciple the younger and older women disciple the younger. The church in Laodicea will receive a reprimand in about 30 years. They will be in the danger of losing their light as a church. They have become lukewarm. They believe themselves to be warmed and filled and in need of nothing. They were given an opportunity to proclaim Christ, and they understood the mystery of Christ and the gospel. They knew the hope of glory that Christ lives in us, and it is our motivation in life to put off our idolatry and our old man and put on Christ. They knew what was required of them. Our lives must demonstrate a changed life and a purified heart, a life not satisfied with the world, but ever increasing and growing in the wisdom and the knowledge of God and Christ and in obedience to him. Tonight, let us pray for heavenly wisdom and understanding, that we would know the Lord, that older men, older men would disciple the younger men, that older women would disciple the younger women, that we would be full of good works, men loving their wives and women loving their husbands. We should pray for heavenly knowledge of Christ, that we would get the gospel correct. We would faithfully proclaim the truths of Scripture and not be persuaded by vain and false worldly wisdom. We would warn and we would teach others these truths, and we would warn them to grow and to keep themselves uh, being discipled. A mature believer is a believer who gives their time and effort pouring into the lives of other believers. We should pray for heavenly hearts and heavenly honor. We need to put off the old man with the sins of our old life. We need to prepare for our coming appointment with Christ before the Father. We need to live soberly, righteously, and godly and set our minds on things where Christ is. We need to pray for heavenly homes. Pray that you will be kind and gentle towards your spouse. That you will proclaim Christ to your children, preparing them to be worshipers. That your home is filled with singing and songs of Christ. Homes that are filled with fellowship with other believers. Men that work for the Lord outside of the home. Women who care for the home and their children. And homes where scripture is read and prayers are made for the saints. Pray for heavenly heralds who will proclaim the truth of God and give the gospel to the lost. That their words will be seasoned with grace and ready to answer any question about the gospel. Pray that men from among us would desire to establish churches and be trained and discipled in God's word. And pray for heavenly holds. Wherever the gospel is preached, that churches would be established by faithful ministers and families. That men and women would be called to the work in those churches so that Christ's church would bring glory to him. Pray that the men and women who attend those churches will be faithful to disciple the younger men and women that they would teach them to leave the things of the world behind and to look forward to seeing Christ, the hope of glory. Turn back to Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Our motivation, summed in these three verses. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, 
in your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us this great epistle written by the hand of Paul to instruct your church how to live in this world. Thank you for the opportunity to read it, to know it, to, to understand it better. I pray that we would, we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would understand Christ and we would get the gospel correct in all of our proclamation, in all of our living, with our children, to those who are strangers, to those that don't know you, that we would proclaim Christ accurately. We pray for heavenly homes, that where men are leading their homes in righteousness, where women are loving their husbands and submitting to them, where men are not provoking their children, but bringing them up in the, the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We pray for heralds that would come from among us, that we would be able to send out to establish churches. We would pray that you would use us to disciple these young men, to disciple these young women, and that we would be able to establish churches with strong families who love you. We would pray for heavenly holds that, that these, the churches that are, that are being established would have families come to them and that they would be able to establish the church and proclaim the truth to a dark world. We pray for heavenly hearts and heavenly honor as well. May we honor you by being not of this world in our thinking and in our living, that we would f- forsake the sin that, w- that easily besets us, that we would look unto Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, and we would see the glory that he has prepared for us. And that would be our motivation to be purified and to prepare ourselves to see you. I thank you for the great blessing that you have given us in Christ through his shed blood. I thank you for this time of prayer that we're about to enter in, that we would be well prepared to pray for the things that you've asked us to in Colossians, and that we, our hearts would be stirred, and that we would realize the opportunity we have to share of your Son. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to proclaim your truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.